Hello, this is Dunkern writer and residence Colin Hazard saying welcome, Falcha, and what about you to episode four of the Dunkern podcast. So this is Christmas And what have you done? Thanks, John. I'm glad you asked. Well, what I've done is my Christmas shopping online, had a Zoom party with the lads, which I'm still kind of recovering from, got a few things organised as best I can for next year, and recently have been watching far too much football on the television. Now, I don't know about you, but this year on one hand seems to have gone by so quickly, but on the other so slowly. I actually took part in an online poetry writing workshop recently hosted by the Donegal poet Denise Blake. And one of the writing prompts that Denise gave us was to individually go through the year month by month and write down any interesting things that we did or which happened or just generally what we remember. So it was quite a straightforward process in the sense of starting in January and writing down ABC and then February DEF and then March and then April and so on. And it was around the month of May that my monthly list started losing a bit of structure. I could remember things that happened this year, but I just didn't know when they were. It could have been May, it could have been August. Time was no longer a linear concept. I actually remember a few times clicking on my phone just to check what day it was. But time carried on as it does and as did we. And here we are at the end of another year. And here we are in episode four of the Dunkirton podcast. And thank you to all the regulars who've been listening and commenting and sharing and reviewing. You'll be aware that on each episode, I normally chat with some artist or creative about their career and creative process, etc. But we thought that as it's the Christmas special, we would do something a little bit different. So instead of talking with some creative type, it's just going to be me talking and sharing some of my favourite poems with you. Just think of this like an extra Christmas present to have me in your ears sharing these words. And these are poems that over the years I find inspiring or thought provoking or reassuring or just which mean something to me in some way. For poetry readers who are listening, you'll probably have heard one or two of these before. For non-poetry readers, please don't be put off by that P word, as I think there's something in here for everyone, as they say. And at the end of such a strange and difficult year, I think we could all do with some inspiration and reassurance. So just imagine that I'm Robin Williams' character in Dead Poets Society, but without the tweet blazer. Oh, Colin, my Colin. But preparing this podcast has actually been a really great process for me because I think sometimes, maybe you're like this too, but I can get so wrapped up in what I'm writing and what I'm working on that I don't take the time to read or reflect or just remember why I put pen to paper in the first place and wanted to become a writer. So it's been great to go back and to be inspired again. And on that train of thought, I'm going to start this reading with the first poet who inspired me. Now, back in the late 1990s, I was studying A-level English and one of the poets on the syllabus was Robert Frost. Now, Frost, although he was born in San Francisco in 1874 and spent the first part of his childhood in California, he is most famous for his poems about rural life in New England in the northeast of America. And some of his most famous poems are some of the most all-time famous poems by anyone. And they include Fire and Ice, Mending Wall and Stopping by Woods on a Snowy Evening. Frost was actually awarded four Pulitzer Prizes for poetry, which to me seems gritty, but hopefully once I read this first poem, you'll understand why he was and is so well honoured and respected. But before I read it, let me just cue up some lovely background music to get you in the mood for listening and relaxing. The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost Two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller. 
long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then took the other as just as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for that, the passing there had worn them really about the same, and both that morning equally lay on leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence, Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled by, and that has made all the difference. Would you believe that I read that poem out of the same Robert Frost selected poems book that I used at school? You can actually hear, there's the pages rustling there. And beside the poem are handwritten notes from class, one of which says, Humans are not blessed with foresight. I'm not sure what relevance that point had to the 17-year-old me who still had many mistakes to make, or should I say many roads to take. But I loved, and still love, the simplicity in this poem of the image and of the metaphor. You can go this way or you can go that way, but you make the decision. With Frost, though, there's usually ambiguity about whether the decision is good or bad or right or wrong. And that's a debate probably for the Robert Frost podcast, if such a thing exists. If not, I might start it. But moving on now to a less ambiguous poet, and I'm staying in America and travelling back to California as the next poem I'm going to read is by Charles Bukowski. Within the literary world, Bukowski is quite a divisive figure for various reasons, and that's another debate for another podcast. But there's no doubt that when Bukowski writes well, he writes exceptionally well. He wrote in a style that's been called dirty realism, in that the writing primarily centres on ordinary life, ordinary people, usually people who are down on their luck and or in the rough, seedier part of town. In fact, Time magazine actually called Bukowski the laureate of American lowlife. But Bukowski also has some really beautiful poems that have almost become mantras on life or act as advice to, to pull you through bad times. And the poem of his that I chose to read is Roll the Dice, and it goes exactly like this. If you're going to try, go all the way. Otherwise, don't even start. If you're going to try, go all the way. This could mean losing girlfriends, wives, relatives, jobs, and maybe your mind. Go all the way. It could mean not eating for three or four days. It could mean freezing on a park bench. It could mean jail. It could mean derision, mockery, isolation. Isolation is the gift. All the others are a test of your endurance, of how much you really want to do it. And you'll do it, despite rejection and the worst odds, and it will be better than anything else you can imagine. If you're going to try, go all the way. There is no other feeling like that. You will be alone with the gods and the nights will flame with fire. Do it, do it, do it, do it, all the way all the way. You will ride life straight to perfect laughter. It's the only good fight there is.
Okay, I'll leave America behind now as we venture across the Atlantic Ocean to the Emerald Isle. And if you're a fan of Bukowski and you don't know this next poet, I thoroughly recommend you check out Brendan Cleary. He's a poet from Carrickfergus but has been living in England for the past 40 years or so. And his second book, The Irish Card, which was published in 1993, is one of my all-time favourite poetry collections. And from it, I'm going to read the poem Rose, which is a love poem of sorts. I certainly love it anyway, but excuse the minor swear word about halfway through. Rose by Brendan Cleary There was my ideal girl, even way back then, at Carrick Grammar. And I knew I'd find her across the water. You see, that's seen as a logical step, and entirely natural to go via Liverpool or Stranraer to colleges and careers over on the mainland. And that was where I knew she was. For the want of a better name, let's call her Rose. I thought she might live somewhere like Hampshire, and she would have horses and speak with Marleys in her mouth. But I wouldn't mind because of her beauty and luster. No way. Not after growing up with a stack of wee millies. Girls in Skinners and Crombies always shouting over, Hey mister, my mate fancies you. Or, mister, got a fag. Rose would be refined and schooled. We'd discuss all the books I longed to read. Those I've never quite got round to. And one day I would have to go to her house like Bertie Wooster, to her luxurious country estate where her pompous father would want to know about my people. And she'd be the pride of all Hampshire, but I'd charm her. I do it all the time. Lower my voice an octave and use a load of quaint slang, and they love it. And if I was a bastard, it would get me laid, and has done. The home counties can't ever comprehend me. I'm an outsider. It's a privilege to watch their class system in action. And I'm never thought of as pig ignorant, a bogman, but clever. Not like McAlpine's men or pissheads from Kilburn. So Rose would be bowled over by my crack and lilting. It would all be unreal to her, but enchanting. Talk about home. It must be so romantic. Is it really beautiful? She'd ask me. And if I burped or let off a stinker after dinner, she'd tap me, pretend to be disgusted. But I'd come off with some quip, some cliche like, Ah, sure, you can take the man out of the bog, but not the bog out of the man. And she'd be hooked again. Needless to say, this never happened, and I never met her. No matter where I am, nothing happens. And I never meet her. And I'd love to meet Brendan Cleary, so if anyone listening knows him, hook us up. I would love to get him on the podcast. But I love that poem for its detail about this woman who it turns out is imaginary, as well as the humour and, and the conversational, sometimes colloquial language. That, and I speak from experience now, that is a difficult thing to get right, but I think Brendan Cleary is an expert at it. And he may be my favourite Northern Irish poet of all time. He's certainly up there anyway in the in the Champions League spots. But from Carrick Fergus, let's go out west now to the town of Oma and the wonderful poet Paula Cunningham. I, as you probably gathered now, I love poems about people and or about real situations. And not only is Paula the master at that, she's also the master in bringing out the minute detail and in using humour, much like Brendan Cleary. But the humour, as I found out the hard way, is really, really hard to do in poetry. So hopefully all of that is conveyed in this poem, which is from Paula's 1999 collection, A Dog Called Chance. And this poem is called Hats. Hats. <laughs> 
Oh, and I should say that uh, at the very start, there is one of the major swear words, but because I don't want to click explicit on the Christmas special, uh, I'm changing the F word to flipping. And I hope Paula doesn't mind. Hats by Paula Cunningham. This year I tried on voices just like hats. Whore hat, board hat, life's a flipping chore hat, tour hat, sore hat, never bloody score hat, can't take any more hat, roar hat, soon to be 34 hat. I was running out of fabric, but then I found a blessed hat, poetry obsessed hat, need a bloody rest hat, got to go out west hat, realised that politics are best avoided, put on my Sunday best hat, soon got bored with that. Tried on my dead serious issues hat, my rhyme all the time hat, my why can't I write like Paula Meehan hat, my feck it have a drink and write like Brendan Behan hat. This year I tried on voices just like hats. The weather changed, the ceasefires came, and screaming like a banshee my severed tongue grew back. My father wore a hat when I was little. We lived in Oma, O-M-A-G-H or H, as tribally decreed. He was a travelling salesman for ice cream, a Dublin firm, Hughes Brothers, or HB. He was their Northern Ireland diplomat. He knew his clients well, a study discipline. Some would not buy HB ice cream on principle. My father done his homework. To some he'd sell HB, to others HB. One day in Derry, Londonderry, my father's car was hijacked. The men wore hats pulled down with holes for eyes and mouth. They held a gun. They nudged his hat. They asked my father where we lived and ordered him to spell it. This year I tried on voices. Just like hats. And now we come to the last poem, the last poet, and I'm just looking up at my bookshelves here and realising who I've left out. Sylvia Plath, Leonard Cohen, Sinead Morrissey, Ginsburg, Yeats, Heaney. But I'm going to finish by bringing it all home with a Belfast poet who sadly passed away in October this year. And his name is Derek Mahan. Like some of the poets that I've mentioned, Derek Mahan wrote a lot about people and places. But the poem I'm going to share is one with a message that we may need as we move with uncertainty into the new year. And maybe these words will give a little reassurance and a little hope. And this poem by Derek Mahan is called Everything is Going to Be All Right. How should I not be glad to contemplate the clouds clearing beyond the dormer window and a high tide reflected on the ceiling? There will be dying, there will be dying, but there is no need to go into that. The poems flow from the hand unbidden, and the hidden source is the watchful heart. The sun rises in spite of everything, and the far cities are beautiful and bright. I lie here in a riot of sunlight, watching the day break and the clouds flying. Everything is going to be all right.
It's a beautiful short poem there by Derek Mahan and something to ponder as we go into the new year. But as Porky Pig says, that's all folks. I hope you enjoyed those poems. As I mentioned, there are so many more poems and so many more poets that I could have read. But I appreciate that it's a busy, hectic time of year. So we wanted to keep this short and sweet. Thank you for listening anyway. Whether it's before, on or after Christmas, I hope you have or had a lovely time and got well fed and all the rest of it. I have a busy Christmas period ahead of me as my book publisher sent me an email asking for a first draft of my book in January. And let's keep this between ourselves, but it's not as far along as it should be. So aside from Christmas Day off, it'll be a frantic festive period of writing and reviewing. But anyone who knows me will tell you that that's the way I work. Sure, it's Christmas Eve and I still have Christmas shopping to do. So wish me luck. I will be back, though, in the new year with more podcast chats, poems and general crack for your listening entertainment. But now I'll say on behalf of myself and the Dunkern, a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. See you next year. Toodaloo.